0: Hello, New York Giants fans. Welcome back to Everything New York Giants with your host. I'm Adriana, New York Giants fangirl. And today I'm recapping another loss for the Giants, this time to the Seahawks, yet again at home during a primetime game. And I was extremely fortunate to be there in person during the well, I left. Uh, in the beginning of the fourth quarter. So, um, I'm sure you can all imagine why after the pick six, it, you know, was feeling like there was no coming back from that at that point when it was 21 to three. So before we get into the game, I want to talk about the good news because there is one piece of good news before we go ahead and get started. And that's that the Giants finally signed guard Justin Pugh. Now, I'm excited he's back. I know a lot of us Giants fans are. I'm very glad that they are doing something because we all knew going into the Seattle game that Shane Lemieux was not a good option at guard. Why they didn't sign Justin Pugh before the Niners game. So maybe he could have been up to speed by now and would have a chance of playing Sunday in Miami. Um, is beyond my comprehension. I don't know why they didn't do that because we all thought it was a good idea. It's not like they signed him to some big, massive contract. It's probably a one-year deal, maybe a million dollars, maybe less, who knows. So that's very frustrating to me because when Dable spoke to the media this week, he said that um, Justin is probably not going to play on Sunday. So... You know what's what's really frustrating about it, too, is that Shane Lemieux was getting murdered out there, and so was Daniel Jones, and I understand that the coaching staff probably feels like they need some continuity. There's been a lot of changes on the line. Guys are getting hurt. They're always rotating people in. I can understand that. What I can't understand is the late signing on Justin Pugh, and The fact that you're not putting in Glowinski. Glowinski has already played for this team for years. I understand he got benched. He had a tough time in the Cardinals game. Fine. But Shane Lemieux is worse. He's 100% worse. He does not belong on this roster. Why are we not seeing Glowinski out there? It's not like he hasn't played with this line and these guys before. He played a couple weeks ago. What are we doing? It's so frustrating. And that's, I think that's the biggest feeling that I felt walking out of that, walking out of MetLife on Monday. The whole thing is frustrating. And you heard it from some of the players afterwards. And I don't know if you guys listened to all of the. Press conferences they did after, you know, one thing I I read from one of the guys, one of the beat writers in the locker room was that, you know, Joshua Zudu is having a really tough time. He's still in his full uniform, sitting in the locker room, like with his head in his hands, visibly upset and taking it hard and on how he performs. And that's what he should be doing. They were awful. Like, I wish that every person was doing that. And I know if there's one thing I'm not going to criticize Daniel Jones on, it's his ability to take accountability and take fault in his actions. So he's not in the media saying, you know, yeah, I threw a pick six. Maybe, maybe the defender shouldn't have jumped the route. You know, he's, he's always accountable and I will give him credit for that because there are a lot of guys, Zach Wilson, who aren't. So you know that doesn't make him an amazing quarterback, but I just think that when you're performing the way that you are right now, you need to come out and you need to say, "I did a horrible job, and part of the loss is on me, and whatever." So, um, what I, uh, what I'm, something else that I'm really having a tough time with, and I, I see it, you know, talking to other Giants fans is, what the hell are Xavier McKinney and Leo Williams doing? What are they doing? Because they're not playing football. And for someone like Xavier McKinney, who's both of them are in contract years. What are you doing? Like, I don't understand why they're invisible on the field. And You know, going before we went into this season, I was thinking Joe Shane was going to re-sign Xavier McKinney. You know, he signed some of these other guys. And up until this point, aside from the injury and whatever, you know, Xavier McKinney has been a good player. And I was expecting him to have a Pro Bowl-esque season this year. I thought this was going to be the year where he's healthy, he feels good about his hand, whatever, in a good system. Got help around him, whatever other excuse you can make as to why he should be having a Pro Bowl season. And he's just not. And I don't get it. I don't understand what him and Leo were doing. Leo is pulling a Kenny Galladay, which is really pissing me off. He is making a shitload of money this year, which I know is not his fault. It's Dave Gettleman's fault. But we are in a strapped position right now because of that contract, along with other things. The least that you could do is pick up some fucking slack and play well. He's healthy. Like, I don't... It is so frustrating. And every single person on that field on Monday really pissed me off. And I'm sure they're pissed off at themselves, which we'll get into the Evan Neal thing in a minute. But I need everyone to take it up a notch. And I don't understand what the problem is. I just don't get why they're not executing. The guys who are on the field, they know the scheme. They know the play calls. There was one miscommunication on the 3rd and 11 where Jones didn't hear what Dable said and thought that it was a running play when apparently it was a pass play because only an idiot who doesn't have Christian McCaffrey runs on 3rd and eleven. I, like, the fact that there's a miscommunication is ridiculous. This is not a high school football team. You can't do stuff like that. On third and 11, no less. I just, there are so many things. That's one of them. The Jones's stupid decisions. Like, the fact that Devin Witherspoon came out after the game and said, we know Daniel Locke's on the first read, so that's exactly what I did. I just it's just all of it special teams i literally expect nothing from you guys i expect the bare minimum for you to do your fucking job and not do anything stupid and what do you repay me with six penalties <laughs> there's just so much wrong with this team and I'm mostly pissed off at myself because I went into this season thinking they are going to be so good. We've done, you know, as best as we could with this offseason. Joe Shane brought in as much talent as he could. You know, Andrew Thomas is finally healthy. We got a good rookie center. Evan Neal's in year two. He's going to pick it up. You know, the guards aren't perfect, but if they can just be serviceable, Daniel Jones won't get murdered every other play. And I'm just watching this team like – you're so disappointing. It is so disappointing. And I know it's all of us, all of us as fans, we spend our hard earned free time and money to watch this. This is what we get after you won a playoff game last year. Like this is it. Are you fucking kidding me? I uh, like the whole thing just makes me want to drive my car into a wall. It's it is beyond frustrating. And you know, you can tell that the players are feeling it. And again, I don't know what the issue is. I don't know why they're not executing, why they're not playing up to the level that they thought they were supposed to be. I mean, we've got a shitload of veterans on this team, and a lot of them are in the second year of the scheme, and they're just not playing at the level that they're supposed to be playing at we are in week five at this point now enough is enough you can say whatever you want and I'll agree probably with the most part that they didn't really hit in preseason or you know in the offseason and they finally take their first couple hits in preseason and they and the starters only play one series so fine enough is enough okay it's time to get it together I don't know what's being said in the locker room. You know, I was listening to Lawrence Times, who made a really good point after being in the locker room himself. They have 10 captains on this team. He said, You might as well have none because who are you listening to when there's 10 captains? Which is a very fair point. Who's the leader? And, you know, Dexter said in his post game that he's not going to be afraid to hurt people's feelings. If that's what he has to do to get people to play, above what they're fucking doing right now, then so be it. Good. We're the fans. We're clearly getting to you guys and hurting your feelings First, Kayvon Davidot comes out and says, why are the fans booing us? Because you play like fucking shit and we spend all our money and our free time on a Sunday night, on a Monday night. I took days off work to go see this shit. You deserve to get booed. Play better and you won't get booed. So, all right, let's talk about the Evan Neal thing, and then we can get into some stats, which honestly I don't even think anyone cares about the stats. They couldn't even score a touchdown. So the offensive stats are going to be trash, which is a surprise to no one. I do want to go into a little bit more on the defense because the defense is the only redeeming quality of this team at the moment. And they weren't even that good. They were just better than they have been the three weeks prior, which is what I feel like the team needs to get some momentum going. The defense maybe has a little bit of confidence right now to say, um, you know, we played okay against the Seahawks. So now when we go into Miami, let's play better, right? We can take it up a step further. The offense has no confidence. So if I'm them going into Miami, I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. We're in trouble. Um, I hope that's not the case, but as with everything, whether you're an NFL player or a hot dog flipper, um, confidence is very important. And I think it's really lacking right now. And at the end of the day, for guys like them, professional football players, when they start to show up on the field, that's how they're going to build the confidence. It doesn't matter what they did during the week. One of the beat writers asked Dable, did you see anything? Think it was Kim Jones. Did you see anything during the week in practice that gave you some sort of inkling that this is what you were going to play like on Monday? And he said, no, we had a great week of practice. But practice doesn't mean shit when you don't execute on the field. So let's talk about Evan Neal. I want to pull up his exact comments um, because I think it's a. So Evan Neal spoke with a reporter. I believe that it was either after the game or it was on Tuesday. um, Daryl Slater from NJ.com. And, you know, he was frustrated. Obviously, he had a horrible performance and ended up hitting one of his own guys, Darren Waller, which thank God Waller didn't get hurt because we have enough injuries on this team. And if Waller got hurt um, because he got hit by his own guy, we would have bigger problems than we already do. So he said he knows he has to improve. He said that he thinks that some of the fans are fair weather and bandwagons because they boo the team when things aren't going well. He also said, why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep? The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? lip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? And how can you say you're really a fan when we're out there battling our asses off and the game wasn't going well, but the best you can do is boo your home team? So how much of a fan are you really? This is what I'm going to say to Evan Neal. I understand he said it in the heat of the moment, okay? We have all been angry, been frustrated, and said things in the moment that we didn't mean. Now, luckily for most of us, it's not recorded and then put on the internet for everyone to read or else we would all be making apology statements. So I I get the frustration. I understand what he meant when he said, what he basically was alluding to is I don't care what the fans think of my performance because they're not my coaches. They're not the people in the building whose opinions really matter when it comes to my performance. Again, I understand all that. He's right. What me as a lonely podcaster or social media person says has no bearing on his work ethic, has no bearing on his performance on the field. He's right. I get it. Just like if someone's going to try to tell me how to do social media, but they're a finance person who's never used Facebook, do you think I'm going to listen to them? Absolutely fucking not. So I get it. I, I don't necessarily fault him for those specific comments. It's the way that he said them. I think if he gave a little more context for the people who read it and immediately said, F you, Evan Neal, you don't deserve to be on this team. You should be fired today and you go flip some hamburgers and see how it is. I get it. I understand the frustration. Like I said, I spend my hard-earned money and free time doing this for free. I get it. He should have said things very differently. So I... Like, I can empathize with him that he was frustrated in the moment and whatever. What I don't like about what he said, to me the most problematic thing about it, is that he's assuming that all fans work some low-level, middle-wage job like flipping burgers. And, and he's insulting the fan base by saying, well, you don't have any football intelligence. You don't know anything about the game. You don't know what I'm supposed to be doing out on the field. You haven't seen the improvements that I've made. That's insulting to 100% of the fan base because there are a lot of us who are extremely knowledgeable about the sport. And I say all the time, I'm not an expert. I've never played offensive line. I don't know how to make Evan Neal better. but I'm there through thick and thin. I have been a Giants fan for over 30 years. I know that all of you guys who are Giants fans, everyone has the same story. My grandpa was a Giants fan. My mom was a Giants fan. My brother, my uncle, someone in their family was a Giants fan. So they've been indoctrinated into this bullshit whether they wanted it or not. I sat through those shitty-ass COVID games. I watched them week in and week out. I didn't really want to, but I felt like I needed to see it for my own eyes what was really happening before I could talk shit about the team and the coaching staff and whatever. So, he did apologize. I'll read the apology statement because he knew Listen. I think he's he's young. The guy's what, 22 years old? Like I said, we've all said stupid things and we have all made mistakes and whatever, whatever. So I, I, I am not going to be the person and everyone's entitled to their opinion. If you want to write them off, if you want to say, go fuck yourself, I'm not rooting for you. I'm not getting a Jersey. I'm going to boo you every time you come on the field. You do you. I understand it. I think that's completely fine. I'm not going to do that. The biggest apology that I want from Evan Neal is from here on out to go out there on Sundays and kick some ass. Put your money where your mouth is. You want to say that our opinions don't matter and you don't want to get booed? Stop playing like shit so you don't get booed. It's not that hard. Apparently it is that hard for him, but it shouldn't be. Andrew Thomas dealt with booze. These guys, Daniel Jones has probably dealt with more boos than any player in the NFL. And not once has he come out and said anything like that. So I think everyone in this locker room, Kayvon included, because he said some shit about the fans booing too, needs to take a lesson from Jones and shut up and put your money where your mouth is. Because you know what Kayvon did after we booed him and talked shit about him? He went out on the field and produced. He's not at the level that we would all like him to be, but he got two sacks. So he's getting there. Evan Neal, stop apologizing and do something about it on the field. Get out there and protect your quarterback. Do what you are being paid a fuck ton more money than all of those hot dog flippers in Mt. Stadium are getting paid to do. This is apology. I am wrong for lashing out at the fans who are just as passionate and frustrated as I am. I let my frustrations in my play and desire to win get the best of me. I had no right to make light of anyone's job, and I deeply regret the things I said. We are working day in and day out to grow as a team, and this was an unnecessary distraction. I apologize. I think it's fine. I think it's well said. It's short sweet, and to the point. The thing that he doesn't really understand yet, and he's going to understand it, because from now on at every single game that there are Giants fans, he's going to get booed when he comes out of the tunnel. And he's got to deal with that. People don't forget. So, you know, there will be people like me who will forgive him and say, just get on the field and play good football. I don't care about anything else that you do. Do that and we'll get over it. And then there are other people who are going to relentlessly boo him for the rest of his career as a Giant, whether it's for one more year or it's for 10 more years. So we'll see what happens. Um, Like I said, you know, uh, for me, it's more about his play. I can understand the frustrations. I'm frustrated as a fan. We are an extremely passionate, knowledgeable, aggressive fan base. (laughs) And... We've been here. My problem, too, the other thing, and then we can move on from this. But my problem, too, is that he called us Fairweather fans. And like I said, every Giants fan I know has been indoctrinated into this team, whether they wanted to be a Giants fan or not. So it's in a lot of our blood. And I don't think booing your team makes you a Fairweather fan. It makes you passionate. All of us have been here before Evan Neal. And again, regardless of what his career is with the Giants, we will be here after Evan Neal. We are Giants fans. We are not Evan Neal fans. So I understand he's going through a lot of adversity. He was the head honcho at Alabama or wherever he went to college and you know had a great few years there. He gets picked top 10. He's like, I'm going to go in there and crush it. Except he didn't realize that Andrew Thomas is hundred times better than him and he's the solid left tackle and he's going to have to adjust and play right tackle. So he's dealing with some adversity. I can, I can deal with it. Okay. But he's, he has to improve or he's literally going to get booed out of the Northeast. So, you know, he's learning the hard way. I learned the hard way. The South is very different from the North in the South. People are nice to your face and they will talk shit behind your back in the North. We will say it straight to your face, which is why you got booed. So, play better, and it won't happen again. All right, that's enough about Evan Neal. Let's talk about something more exciting, like the giant statistics. Oh my god, from this game on Monday. So Jones had this. This is actually kind of surprising to me that out of twenty, out of thirty-four pass attempts, twenty-seven of them were caught. Maybe it's because I left early in the fourth quarter, but I could have sworn watching the game that there was nowhere near that many pass attempts and catches. So that's pretty interesting. Um, So he went 27 for 34, 203 um, yards, two interceptions. He was sacked 10 times for 59 yards. Um, rushing attempts, there were 29 total for 112 yards. The longest was Daniel Jones's 17-yard run. Jones, 10 carries, 66 yards. Breida, 14 for 30. I mean, Brightwell, 4 for 9. Wandale, 1 for 7. So, I felt like going into this game, we really had to focus on running the ball more. Because in the past games, we've been down so quickly that they felt like their only option was to pass the ball, but the pass blocking is bad. So, like, you got to run the ball, you know? And I wanted to see them run the ball. They attempted to run the ball, but 29 carries for 112 yards is not great. And when our offense does things like this, right, like they're not successful running the ball, then you have to be successful passing the ball. If you're not successful passing the ball, you have to run the ball. If you're not good at passing and running, you can't turn the ball over. Like, you can't make all of these mistakes. You have to have something going going well. And none of those things went well during the game. Jones made mistakes. Receivers made mistakes. Can't get the ball running. I mean, the only thing that – the best thing for me that came out of this game is – or out of the offense is Wandale Robinson. He had a great game. He was reliable. It was good to see him back on the field. He is back to him his own self. And if we can fix the pass blocking, Wandale's going to kill it this year. He's probably going to have the best, I think, out of all the wide receivers. And then, you know, Waller right behind him. So receiving yards, 27 receptions for 203 yards. Not a single touchdown. I just, you know, you can't win games if you don't get touchdowns. So there's that. We got to talk about the fumbles for a second. Jones had two. Luckily, he only lost one of them. Luckily. Eric Gray on the, Punt returns. I know he's young, but I have heard from a few beat writers that he struggled with returning balls during camp. And the coaching staff said, he's our punt returner. He's got to figure it out. I just, at what point do you decide? that maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. I mean, the last person I wanted to see out there was a Dory Jackson catching after what happened last year. But at least he, um, at least he held onto to the ball and he called a fair catch. You know, I just, I don't know. They had three total fumbles and thank God they only lost one of them. But again, You cannot make these types of mistakes and expect to win games. This is like embarrassing, stupid mistakes that you're making. Jones, again, this narrative that he can't hold on to the ball. When he can hold on to the ball and he gets rid of it fast enough, he throws an interception. You know, the punt returning has been an issue for God knows how long at this point. We've never had a good punt returner in the last like 10 years. You know, why are you not putting Sterling Shepard back there who barely got a snap on Monday? Why don't you use him in the receiving game? Get a Dory Jackson out of there who plays 90, if not 100%, of the defensive snaps and put Sterling Shepard in there. Eric Gray, maybe he's not ready yet. These are the things that I question. And this is, this to me is on the coaching. Like, what are you doing? Make different decisions. I don't understand. I just, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. There was so much that went wrong on the offense that I don't even, like, I don't even know what else there is to say, aside from the fact that every single one of them needs to play better. Jones has to stop making stupid decisions. I understand that he's seeing ghosts. He's getting mauled every play, but he's jumping the pocket too soon when it's been clear. He's missing a couple guys that are open. Now, there have been a few times where guys have not been open, and that's a problem, but... You know, I just, some of the decision makings, and I know what he's doing, he's trying to make plays, but he has to learn when to not force it. And in year five, when you're in the second year with this coaching staff, and we saw really good improvement last year, you can't regress like that. I don't know what the answer is. I'm. You guys are all going to say, get a new quarterback. News flash, genius. We're not getting a new quarterback in the middle of the fucking season with $6 million in cap space, okay? So the only option for the rest of this season is that Daniel Jones improves because I'm telling you right now, Tyrod Taylor is not better than him. We are not more, winning more games with Tyrod than with Jones. So Jones needs to get his shit together. And I think he will. You don't have to agree. I know a lot of people don't think he will. I think He will. I think the second the line plays the slightest bit better, Jones is going to play better. It's frustrating that that's what it takes. But in case you didn't watch the Jets opener, where Aaron Rodgers, Mr. All Hail Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest ever, um, couldn't do anything behind that shitty old line. You think that O line is bad? Have you watched the Giants game? Because they're easily the worst in the NFL. There has to be no question about that. So. I mean, a different quarterback would help in certain instances. Would he have thrown that pick six? Probably not. Um, Could he hold on to the ball better and not fumble? Maybe. But there are still really good quarterbacks like Mahomes and Herbert and Josh Allen. All these guys throw interceptions. You just don't hear about it because they also throw touchdowns. So Daniel Jones deserves some of the blame. In my opinion, he doesn't deserve all of it. Again, you guys think whatever you want. We don't have to argue about this. We're all entitled to our opinion. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the defense still give gave up twenty four points. I felt like when it when we were down fourteen to three, it felt like it was forty to three because it just felt like it was worse. Um, Bobby Okurake led the team with ten total tackles, six solo, two tackles for loss. He led the team with two tackles for loss, guys. Two. Isaiah Simmons had one. Sorry, Thibodeau tied him with two. TJ Davidson had one. Tibbs was the only one who had sacks. He had two of them. Um, I felt like Isaiah Simmons played one of the better games that he's played thus far. I think he's gotten more snaps. Um, You know, Dexter, three tackles, two solo. Um, Deontay Banks and McFadden were both five tackles, for solo. I think Banks played pretty well, all things considered. Um, that's it. Interceptions, none. Kick returns. Eric's longest was 19 yards. Uh, on the punt returns, he had one. Graham Gano is the only reason we have points on the board. His one field goal went one for one. It was 55 yards, too. Thank God he made that. Um, Jamie Gillen, you know, special teams was a nightmare, but he was okay. Five um, kicks for 268 yards, one touchback, two inside the 20, and the longest was 61 yards. So not, you know, so bad. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Um, I am not going to preview the Miami game. Let's We'll just talk about it now quickly. My biggest concern um, going into Sunday is our defense against their offense. Because let's be honest, our offense doesn't really have a shot at winning this game for us. We all know Miami put up 70 points a couple weeks ago. Now, they're coming off a loss, so we'll see how that goes. We are coming off a lot of losses and some injuries. So, to me, the biggest thing is, is John Michael Schmitz going to be back? Is Saquon going to be back? Um, Is Bellinger going to be back? I mean, when they did that stupid tush push, I hate that goddamn play. I cannot wait until it's removed. Also, notice how the Giants are the only team to not run it successfully. Classic. Classic. Um, I, I forgot what I was talking about. The offense. Oh, injuries. Okay. I'm not so sure about Saquon. He's participated in team drills for the first time yesterday, Wednesday. So, To me, he's still 50-50. I think it could go either way. would not be surprised if they hold him out one more week. So I would say don't get your hopes up on Saquon playing this week. I feel like it'll be a good surprise if he plays. Andrew Thomas is also not looking good to play again this week. And I think what's the most – I mean, there are a lot of things that are frustrating about his injury – He said this offseason that it was the first offseason in his whole career in the NFL that he was not rehabbing something and he was healthy. And then what happens? He goes out and he gets injured week one. Um, And the worst part is Dable kept him in after the injury. So that certainly didn't help. But again, some questionable coaching decisions here. Um, But, you know, John Michael Schmitz and Daniel Ballinger getting injured on that stupid, stupid play. Um. You know, I kind of felt like when they both went down, there was no recovering from that. Ben Bredesen is not a great center; he should have stayed at guard. I know we don't have a good backup center, and Bredesen is the only option. But like, none of them are John Michael Schmitz, Um, and no one wants to see Shane Lemieux at left guard. So, I'm I'm really concerned that if John Michael Schmitz is not back this week that Bredesen is going to be playing center and it better be Glowinski at left guard. If I see Shane Lemieux on that field, I am going to lose my mind. So I would appreciate Giants coaching staff if you don't do that. Thanks. So I don't know. I think we're all kind of going into this Miami game like we have no hope, um, which is – It is what it is. I realistically see them going one and five into, what is that, week eight? No, week seven against the Commanders. So, you know, they're going to have an opportunity after Miami and Buffalo to start to turn things around. They play the Jets, they play the Patriots, they play the Raiders, and they play the Commanders. So... That would be the time for them to really step it up. And look, last year they lost six games in a row and they turned it around. So I still feel like the talent is there. The coaching staff is there. The execution is not. Maybe it's just a lack of continuity, lack of playing, lack of hitting, blah, 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 blah. But I just I need to see it done on the field. I need the players to execute and the coaches to make some better decision making. And then maybe we can turn this season around. Um, cause I'm really not going to start talking about the draft yet. I'm just not, it's October 5th. I'm not doing it. So anyway, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Uh, if I were you, I would take the money line on the dolphins or maybe even the spread. Uh, cause it's not looking good for Andrew Thomas. So poor Daniel Jones yet again. So anyway, I'll be back next week with a beautiful recap of the Giants-Dolphins game. And I hope everyone enjoys, for the first time this season, a 1 o'clock game. We get to enjoy it for a whole week before we're back on primetime. I am begging the NFL to flex out the Bills-Giants game. Please, for the love of God, save us all. No one wants to watch the Giants in another primetime game. No one. I bet the coaching staff doesn't even want to. So please don't do that. Please flex us. So enjoy the one o'clock game. Enjoy your wings, your beers. I have heard from people that they're not even gonna watch. So if you're not gonna do that, enjoy your fall Sunday. And you know, we'll be back at it next week. Go giants. Thank you guys for listening. as always, subscribe on YouTube. Um, I'm getting a new camera, so my situation here is going to be better moving forward. And rate, review, subscribe if you listen on the podcast apps. And I'll be back next week.